All right. So today we are going to do a little bit of a, a review of the book that we've been studying on Wednesday nights in the teen class. Uh, I have mentioned it, I think, a couple weeks ago, called Alone with God, uh, written by John MacArthur on the subject of prayer. So there were some very helpful things, some very insightful things, um, convicting things, and I wanted to kind of share some of the things that were touched on in the first two chapters and have a little bit of a discussion, uh, as I believe it will be helpful. So let me pray, especially since we're talking about prayer, then we'll start. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for the blessing that it is in that it draws us closer to you. Father, I pray that you would continue to teach us how to pray so that we would better honor you. I pray that we would pray in a way that would allow us to see you move to more often glorify you. I pray this, Father, so that you would be honored. All right, so first thing, silly question, but what is prayer? Okay, communication, Tina. Okay, so communication to God. Anything else? Mike? Appealing to God. Okay. We are told to approach his throne of grace. Anything else? Tina? Okay, so an opportunity to thank God. So, again, different forms of communication. Generally, I would say, yeah, it's, it's, to put it simply, us communicating with the creator of all, right? And it's going to show up in different forms, which we'll talk about a little bit, and it's going to have different implications. But ultimately, it is us having a conversation with God. So... This was kind of answered, but why do we pray? Any other reasons to thank God, to make supplication? Any other reasons why we pray? Jonathan? Okay. Yeah, I would say in many ways it is an illustration to our own hearts and to the world of our dependence. Alright, so here's one of the main questions. Does how we pray matter? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say yes. So we're going to look at uh, a couple... Again, the first two chapters, a few areas that have a direct impact on how we pray uh, and also the, what contributes to the effectiveness of our prayer. So the first chapter is called A Heart Set on God. And I will say this, if you're not in the class, if you haven't read the book, if you 
have a desire to learn more about prayer, about the approach, about the posture, about the place, about um, the many facets of prayer, I highly recommend this book. I surveyed, I think, six different books and ended up choosing this one because I thought it was the most thorough when it comes to um, how to pray and just the helpful information. One of the first things he says is, when you are born into the family of God, you enter into a spiritual atmosphere wherein God's presence and grace exert pressure or influence on your life. Prayer is the normal response to that pressure. I thought that was a great picture. When we are born again, when we are given spiritual life, there is a new awareness to God's presence. There is a new awareness to where we fit in that. And though I think as we go, we learn more and more about how to pray, but let's be honest, some of the greatest prayers are those of a new believer who's not concerned about using fancy words, who's not prideful enough to be thinking about um, having perfect theology necessarily. They just want to talk to God. They want to commune with the one who has just given them life. And I like the picture of this pressure that comes on us. And I'm sure we've all been there if we've been saved long enough to where God has forced us to our knees because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, whether it's a trial for ourselves or for somebody else, or just great conviction of our sin. Those are the times that seem to produce some of the most sincere uh, prayers, apart from, if we're honest, the, the, the prayers that we normally might say at a meal. Another thing he says is prayer is a natural part of a believer's life. Uh, can I have someone, these are the main two verses that he references. Can someone turn to Ephesians 6.18 and read that please? Devin? And can someone read Colossians 4 2? Evan? All right, so a couple of examples of where Paul is giving instruction on how to pray. How to pray. MacArthur says, Continual, persistent, incessant prayer is an essential part of Christian living, and it flows out of a dependence on God. 
Tina? It's always good to read different versions to get a little bit of a different sense of uh, the approach and the intent of a verse. Absolutely, that helps. I don't know how much the message helps, but uh, you know, a few other versions are pretty good. Here's a, a quote from C.H. Spurgeon. He says, A Christian should carry the weapon of all prayer like a drawn sword in his hand. We should never sheathe our supplications. Never may our hearts be like an unlimbered gun with everything to be done to it before it can thunder on a foe. But it should be like a piece of cannon, loaded and primed, only requiring the fire that it may be discharged. The soul should be not always in the exercise of prayer, not always actually praying, but always intentionally praying. Just think about that. What images or thoughts come to your mind? Do you get the, the sense that he's trying to express? To carry it like a sword, unsheathed at all times. Ready to use, right? So, are we restricted as to when we can pray? Are we restricted where we can pray? Are we restricted necessarily how we can pray? No. And while I would argue that not all prayer is going to look the same and shouldn't look the same, the point is we have the ability to pray at all times. And if we view prayer as a ready weapon in our hand at all times, we're much more prepared to be able to use it. Yes? If we use it, if we look at it as, you know, a gun in a safe with a lock on it, you know, and we have to take multiple steps to get to it, if we have this idea of prayer that we must go through all of these different steps before we can do it, are we going to use it as much? If we have it ready in our hand at all times, are we more likely to use it? Are we more likely to be able to wield it? Absolutely. Yes? Is uh, Charles Spurgeon referring or alluding to maybe the idea that we really need to think about how we're in a spiritual battle? Virtually all times we need to be ready. Yeah, I think... Yeah, absolutely. So... I've mentioned this recently, and it became quite apparent to me. Every aspect of our lives has a spiritual component. So, 
Every decision that you've made so far today, there is a spiritual uh, implication of that. What you wear, what you think, where, where you go, what you eat. And I think in this instance, the more aware we are that there is a spiritual world, a spiritual battle at all times, I think that would incline us to pray more, absolutely. And so think about it from this perspective. How is a Christian to fight against sin in their life and in this world? Prayer. Right? That is our, not only our primary weapon, but if we're, if we understand Scripture, it is the only effective weapon that we have. Now, do we need to know the Word and share the Word? Absolutely. But it's the prayer that has the power, right? Just saying a verse, could God use it? Sure. But just saying a verse in and of itself is not the power. It's the prayer behind it because it's the reliance of God to do the work. When we're trying to do it on our own, in our own strength, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've heard many unbelievers use Scripture. So I'm not diminishing the power of the Word, but in the hands of a believer, that's where it's powerful. And so I guess think about it like this, too. I know that there are a few people in the audience that have a, a concealed carry permit. When you have a license to carry a gun at all times, granted there are some restrictions, we won't talk about if those are good or not, but generally speaking, that weapon is for defense, that weapon is powerful. That weapon is taken very seriously. There's training that has to be done to carry it and to be licensed for it. And it is not wielded carelessly. It is not wielded um, selfishly. At least it should not be. So I think to a certain extent, playing on this image that uh, Spurgeon has given us, being ready, but also realizing the power of it and not wielding it lightly. And he gets into this a little bit later. If we are praying and we are not realizing the power that is there, not praying by faith and praying selfishly, There's another comment coming up. But consider, is that what prayer should be? Eric? Your analogy of the uh, concealed carry permit more aligns with the sheathed sword. The Spurgeon is saying an unsheathed sword, which to me I read instantly as that's an offensive weapon. So that prayerfully, we should be not just be ready to pray, 
but we need to be looking for things to pray about constantly. Yes, and I, I guess I was looking at it from a different element, but yes. For the most part, prayer in and of itself should be an offensive weapon that we should be using regularly. And I was looking at more as, as not taking it for granted. So, and I guess in Michigan, I could have used it that way too, but not too many pe people carry open carry, right? <laughs> yes, Tina. Well, yeah, and he says, it's not that we should never stop praying. It's that we should be always intentionally praying. So, for example, one of the customs, and I don't believe habit is the key, but one of the customs for most Jewish people was when they wake up was to immediately thank and praise God. Do I think that's a good thing? Absolutely. Because that immediately, and I, and I would say this, not out of habit though. Out of a sincere desire to thank God and praise Him. And that's where part of the trick is because, let's be honest, to a certain extent we have so much that we are lazy and we take things for granted and we establish habits so that we don't have to put as much time and thought into it. And so I would warn against praying habitually because it's not, I would argue that that's not what God desires. He doesn't want us praying out of habit, just saying the same thing. He doesn't want us to merely go through the motion. He wants our heart. And so that's where I'm coming with the concealed carrier, just a deadly weapon in and of itself. You don't use it unless there is a just cause. And so you don't, you know, you don't pray flippantly. You don't pray carelessly. You pray purposefully. You pray intentionally. Eric? So, great point. L let me ask you. If your heart is not in the prayer, is it better to muddle through some words that you've heard and don't really mean? Or is it better for you to say, God, I don't really feel like praying right now. And I know that's wrong. Please change my wicked heart. But that in itself is a prayer. Yes, it is. But that's my point. That is intentional, right? It's not just saying words. So, and that's the beauty of prayer because it is a communication with God that doesn't have to look a certain way. So should we pray when we don't feel like it? Yes. But I think in that prayer, we should reveal the sincerity of our heart, not just say something 
that sounds good. Other thoughts? Jim? I think, uh, you know, God already knows that. And sometimes our prayers are uh, not personalized or specific. Like God wants details. He wants that personalized opinion that you have about where you're at. And it gives him a better way to answer that prayer. The more information, the better. Yeah, there, there's two things that I was convinced of after reading this and I'm going to step on a couple toes here so please forgive me Evan knows what's coming (laughs) number one I believe that every prayer should have a desired effect that we can see God answer every single prayer So, for example, we're praying for a meal. You know, there's the the carelessly, uh, and I know there's probably thousands of variations of this, but rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub, right? Very irreverent, very childish. Um, Where's God in that? He's nowhere to be found. So, What's beautiful about this is that there's no one way to do this. But consider this. Father, thank you for your continued provision. May we truly be thankful and be able to see all the ways that you provide for us. Help us to not take this for granted, but to honor you with our attitudes and with our words. Nothing necessarily profound But even when we pray for our food, I believe that we should be praying to see God work. And that's where I say it shouldn't be used carelessly. It shouldn't be used just to fill a void. Secondly, I believe that every prayer should have a desire to honor God. And this is where I step on toes. And it, I, want, I hope you understand, this is not because I'm trying to step on toes, but I know this might hurt somebody's feelings. There is a common phrase, and this isn't the only one, this is just the easiest one to pick on. When somebody's going on a trip, what's the common phrase that they might ask for. Mike? Traveling mercies. mercies. Alright, so here's my question. Where's God in traveling mercies? Do we see God at all in traveling mercies? We understand that there's an implication, but do we see God in travel mercies? I would say we don't. Here's, Here's why I say that. If we are going on a trip, we have a desire, yes? Normally, to relax or to accomplish some sort of thing, to encounter other people, we have a desire of what we hope to accomplish. Where's God in that? I believe fully that we need to understand that God needs to be in that. So, for example, and again, I'm not saying this is the only way to do this, 
But instead of saying, I pray for travel mercies, what if we said something like this? I pray that God would give us wisdom and guidance and hopefully opportunity to serve him in our travel. Whether it's being a good testimony or being a witness even, I pray that we would be able to honor God and not just focus on ourselves. What do you think? Tina? Okay, so good question. Instead of listening to me talk, what do you guys think? Eric? I would agree. There's no safety. So I'm not saying it's wrong for us to pray for safety, but if that's our primary concern, I would say, where's our faith? Eric? Exactly. God has to be put in it or else we're just saying words that are meaningless. So I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for safety, but we need to include God and his desire in that, recognizing that his desire might not be for us to be perfectly safe on that trip. Any other thoughts? Mike? Yes. Well, okay, so let's think about that. I understand what you're saying, but hopefully you see that just praying for travel mercies is not an honoring prayer because the God's not in it. So my, my purpose in saying this is to get us to consider how we're praying to include God in it. So I think it's, it's perfectly acceptable to say, Lord, we're going to a dangerous area and... We pray that you would guide us by your grace. If we are protected as we hope, we pray that we would give you all the glory. If we experience some trouble, we pray that we would not neglect to still honor you. Something to that effect, right? Just It's an acknowledgement that God is who he says he is, that we can trust him, and it's not just give me what I want, make everything easy, simple, comfortable, and fun. Jonathan? So, in essence, we should be looking towards ways to glorify God and be a witness for Him. So, when we come into situations, God, give me the grace to look towards you to pull me through this and to be a testimony for you as I go through this difficult circumstance. 100%. Did God save us so that we could have fun? There's no verse for that, Devin. Absolutely. Again, it, this does. What I'm saying does not preclude us from caring. 
for people and, and just being cold, right? I'm not saying, you know, you're driving down the street and one of your kids, the, the door opens up and your kid falls out and you say, oh, well, it's God's will and you keep driving. It's not what I'm saying. We understand that we are human, we care, but the point is we get so caught up in ourself and in what we want that when we pray, it is pure selfishness. And what I'm saying is that is not how it should be. Our focus should be on God and seeking to glorify Him in everything. How you drove here today, you have opportunity to honor God. How do you break you that habit? I'm sorry? How do you break, break that habit? Of praying just senselessly? By praying. <laughs> Eric? I do have a quick little illustration that happened to me recently. So, when I was in uh, Colorado for the weekend, I don't know how many people know this, but my car broke down on me trying to come home. Um, that was not in my plans. And in fact, to be perfectly blunt with myself, my, my behavior the previous couple of days was definitely selfish. And I was not in a good place spiritually. And I knew that. And um, I got really broken that Sunday night about it. And just prayed, God, please just fix this in me. You know, let's, let's end this now. And after that's when my car broke down. So I'm sitting in a Safeway parking lot in rural Colorado with no support mechanisms around me. Uh, and... Um, I was there for a few hours, could not get AAA on the phone to figure anything out because it was Memorial Day weekend. Everything's closed. People aren't at work. So I just uh, was like, God, I'm just going to trust trust that you're going to handle this. And I wasn't, I was a little concerned for myself, but I wasn't worried and I wasn't losing it. And God basically sent, uh, well, I got through the AAA, but God sent a complete stranger who was a Christian said he would drive me anywhere I needed to go. Uh, I found a nearby bed and breakfast. I called to see if they had any availability. This lady was a Christian. She says, yeah, come on over. Let's." I stayed with her for three days waiting on Memorial Day to be over with so this place would open up and overcharge me for car repairs. But uh, in that time, I had nothing but time to pray, to read. Uh, I had great conversations with this, with this Christian lady and have been since healed from all of that. So that's a perfect example of, yeah, I didn't ask for traveling mercies, but I got mercy. Yeah, that's great. On my travels. Well, and consider this. So I'm studying through First Peter, and he's talking to persecuted Christians all over. And so this is heavily on my mind. If we're to be a witness to this world, are we more likely to be a witness of God's goodness in our abundance or in how we respond to difficulty? There's no question, right? Just like quoting scripture, we're not in the Old Testament. Uh, 
wealth is not a sign of godliness. We see that every day. So abundance is not a testimony. It's how we respond to the difficulties in life. And so if we are sincerely looking to live for God, to serve him, I would say that we would even be praying for difficulties. Ask God to bring instances into our lives so that we could exercise our faith and show our trust in him. And if I'm reading everybody's mind correctly, I hear, I don't know if I could pray that, or I'm afraid to pray that, but I challenge you to consider how good our God is. Can we trust him? So if he is fully trustworthy, can we pray for difficulties so that we would draw closer to him and have confidence that everything would be exactly how he wants it? Absolutely. So consider that. I'm not going to pray that for you. Pray for myself and pray that my wife doesn't kill me. Tina. Right? Yeah, I would I I would say, for, and I think some of you can definitely relate to this, I would say some of the greatest times in prayer, some of the most intimate times of fellowship with God was when I was in that spot where I couldn't do anything and I had to completely rely on him. There was no, I had no power and there was rest. And it's amazing. And I mean, if we're honest, don't we, don't we try to avoid getting into that spot? And yet it is so glorious. Uh, it's, it's not, 
it's not without challenge, but I think it can be still restful, spiritually speaking. We can still have peace. We can still have hope. We can still have joy. The, the heart, one of the hardest things I ever went through in my life, I had a, a Christian ask me, because I was very down, he said, do you think it's possible for God to give you joy even through this? That was one of the best questions anybody's ever asked me in my life. Because I had to say, of course he can, but that gave me something to focus on. Absolutely. Well, just like, again, wielding the sword, I think if, if anything, if we can pray so that we would have the right attitude towards prayer, the right attitude towards God, and be ever ready to use that prayer in every situation, I think that in and of itself, God would use to grow us. While I do believe that there are more helpful ways to approach prayer, meaning not specific words to use, but um, specific mindsets, I do believe some are more helpful than others. Ultimately, what does God want? He wants our humility. He wants our honesty. So if we can come to him humbly, honestly, I think in and of itself, that is a, is a great achievement and will lead to further growth in our prayer lives. Norma? Yeah, and I think, again, the key point is him, not us. He should be the focal point, not us. All right, I didn't get anywhere near through my notes, but it's fine because I think we covered a few good points. It took us six weeks to get through the first two chapters in our discussion time, and I don't know about everybody else, but it was rich. It was great discussion. Uh, So I still have a few copies left. If anybody has a sincere desire to learn more about prayer and to explore uh, different elements of it, let me know. I think we've got four or five books still left. Um, Maybe ask my wife. I'm going to be a little busy this morning. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, you are so good. You are so great. It is such a tremendous blessing and encouragement to know that you hear us, that you love us, and that you desire to work in us and through us. I pray that you would challenge each of us to consider how we pray, how often we pray, how faithfully we pray, how fervently we pray. 
Give us a heart that would pray in a way that is honoring to you. Help us to understand the function, <clears throat> the power, and the wonderful intimacy that prayer provides. Lord, make us to be more like you. Help us to better reflect Jesus Christ in our lives so that you would receive more power and more glory. I pray this, Father, so that you would be magnified.